HFEMs were the foreign students, the uh, structural feminists, and and that's pretty much the group of people I I saw at that that, uh, pre-graduation party. Who cares about what a poor black man has to face every day in a country and a culture controlled by rich white people? My name is Barack Obama. Jesus was a poor black man who lived in a country and who lived in a culture that was controlled by rich white people. Shandu was throwing the money around. Obama was dressed in the nicest, slickest clothes. I, when I first met Obama and Shandu, I swear to you, I thought they were both gay and I thought they were both wealthy. Barack knows what it means to be a black man living in a country and a culture that is controlled by rich white people. Don't you get a kick out of people describing Barack Obama as elitist? Is that you are a leader? Tell me who you walk with and I will tell you who you are. What's interesting to me in retrospect is I don't I don't think more than a handful of African American kids at that house. That was another myth of the Obama presidency is, is the young Obama I knew didn't have particularly deep roots in the African American community. Sheriff Joe Arpaio says he suspects President Obama's birth certificate is a fake. We believe probable cause exists indicating that forgery and fraud may have been committed. We're not going to be able to solve our problems if we get distracted by sideshows and carnival barkers. Speaking of sideshows, distractions, and carnival barkers, settle in. The Situation Report with Doc Jones starts right now. Why are gas prices going higher and higher? Ask George Bush's best friend, Big Oil. Big Oil Oil kept U.S. oil reserves in Anwar off limits by paying off the caribou lobby. And who conspired to keep new refineries from being built in the U.S.? Big Oil. And why is Ted Kennedy opposing windmills in Nantucket Sound? Big oil. And who, in 1979, along with the Cardigan Sweater Cartel, made sure that Iran would always be run by unstable lunatics? Big oil. Big oil did all this to make unbelievable profits of nine cents per gallon. So get angry at George Bush and Big Oil and ignore anything the Democrats have ever done to get us in this mess. Paid for by George Soros and other futures trading friends of Hillary Rodham Clinton. People come to Internet Radio for any number of reasons. Among the reasons are perhaps they're tired of the pasteurized, homogenized news that they get from their TV. Or some may want their talk radio a little more raw. Well, that's what you get with Internet Talk Radio. Real people with real opinions that give you real conversation. It's not just daddy's talk radio. And it's for people who stay informed and a great way to share ideas and debate issues. Well, let's just say that Internet Talk Radio hosts don't sit in front of the makeup mirror before they go on the air. Internet Talk Radio is a fast-growing new media that allows folks to get around the dinosaur media. We are America United. This is a network of patriotic radio hosts bringing you honest discussion and discourse 
that will keep you riveted all day. Check out radio.waaumedia.com. Excellence in Broadcasting presents Liberals of Genius. Liberals of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. Mr. President of the United States. You single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time. 10% unemployment. No one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love. What were you thinking? Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative, Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy. Joe was misunderstood. So crack open a good book, sit on your butt, and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr. President, the one we weren't waiting for. Whoa. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another hour of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report, where we talk about current events, events of the day. Certainly, our miscreant president, Barack Hussein Obama, and we try to inject a little bit of history into the mix as well. So, without any further ado, welcome all of you folks who are participating in the chat room tonight. My main man, uh, Beer Hunter, is in the house, and so is 2020 Radio. Evil Clowns here, Blog Talk Radio, Alexander Solo, the usual suspects are here. Never heard that one. Uh, which, um, oh yeah, those those great um, promos that I, uh, Paul Shanklin, um uh, does those promos for Rush Limbaugh. If you listen to Rush Limbaugh's show, you may have heard uh, quite a few of the promos that I play uh, regarding that. I have one really cool one here, uh, Ted Kaczynski uh, promo. Ted's been in the news lately because he was allowed to post in his um, his Harvard yearbook. And uh, I <laughs> I played a a Ted Kaczynski uh, 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 spoof not so long ago, and I thought it was pretty cool because it's in the verbiage, it's in the, it's in the sing-songy kind of way that this old um, crusty uh, uh, Western actor used to uh, used to get down in. I'm going to go ahead and play that uh, right now because Ted's been in the news lately. The fact that he was allowed to joke about his um, <laughs> his. Uh, uh, posting in his yearbook, I, I didn't. Know, I thought Supermax in Florence, Colorado, was Supermax. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of uh, the, the Supermax in Florence, but the um, the uh, inmates are not. They're only allowed out of their cell one hour a day, and the showers for the inmates come to them. The shower is actually on a roller that rolls out in front of their cell. They get into this big thing, big boxy-looking thing. It looks like a shower. They shower, step out of it, step back into their cells. The door closes, the cell door closes, and the shower moves on down for the next guy. I thought it was really... <laughs> 
Hey, I watch a lot of History Channel, Discovery Channel, and that stuff's on there all the time. But hey, let me go ahead and play this Ted Kaczynski uh, parody, and then we'll get on with the show. Uh, I think Ted deserves it, uh, and and maybe some folks will like it, maybe not. But we'll we'll, we'll go ahead and play it anyway. Check it out. seen Ted Kaczynski? I can't remember when he came around. Well, that young fella sent a heap of mail. Spent all his time at the post office in town. He had a one-room shack not far from us, and I suppose we should have expected the worst. Because if he knew you had a computer or indoor plumbing, he'd start mumbling something about it first. Now, he wasn't much for holidays, but Ted couldn't wait for the 4th of July. The companies, he had to hear them rockets go whoosh and explode up there in the sky. Now, one of these days, they're going to have a trial. And I'll visit Ted up in jail. Might be sending me a card or a letter, but he ain't going to... Open the mail. Oh, one day the bed showed up. And he took Ted his cabin away. The agent said he'd been a blowing up folks. Guess he got another place for him to stay. Now some folks say technology made him do it. And others that it was Al Gore's book. I just remember him foaming at the mouth and giving them loggers that look. Now one of these days you're gonna have a trial. You know, visited up in jail. He'll be sending me some cards and letters, but I ain't gonna open the mail. I'm keeping it closed with the address I see. The letters from Ted Kaczynski to me. <laughs> no doubt if Ted Kaczynski's sending you a package in the mail, yeah, don't open it. Uh, all right. Today's date, March 30th, 2012 beautiful old town Alexandria right now folks are out in the park I was walking along King Street King and Union to be exact over to the Starbucks I got a triple vente white mocha over there I walked along King Street for a little bit and yes indeed those one percenters are out they're out they're out with their little rat dogs and the dogs are sitting out the cafes folks are having their steak and their lobster and what have you and those damn dogs are just so polite they're just sitting there chilling and as I've said many times on my show if my big 140 pound Rottweiler were out there I'd have to wrestle his ass to the ground to keep him off my steak or my lobster hell dude will probably the other day 
he brought me, he brought to me a squirrel, all limp in his mouth, and he spit it out right on the patio ground. He was so proud. And the only thing I could think of at that time was, you know, besides, yeah, what the, besides that, I thought, how the hell did his big ass catch that squirrel? I mean, he's not exactly fleet of foot. Was the squirrel already dead? Or did he nab him? Because I'll tell you what, it's not the first time my dog has brought me a squirrel. All proud. He trots over with the squirrel between his teeth and just drops him right at my feet. And so I, you know, try to be polite. You know, he probably went to a lot of trouble. So I say, uh, hey, you know, thanks, dude. Appreciate that. I scoop his ass up with a shovel and whisper him and chuck him over the fence. Beer Hunter's absolutely right. My father-in-law, he loves squirrel. Tasty. Dude goes out with his little rifle out into the woods on the farm and he shoots down seven or eight of those things and brings them back to the house and his wife cooks those things up with some rice and some gravy and I tell you what they don't they look like rats with with nice bushy tails but I tell you a squirrel is good eating tastes like chicken no, it doesn't, but it <laughs> they are delicious, you know, and I never thought so because I'm used to seeing a squirrel either running up a tree or crossing a road and getting run over as they're off to do. And when you see a squirrel that's been crushed by a car tire, you don't actually think of that squirrel as being tasty. You don't say, mmm, and, and you don't start licking your chops. But once he's on the plate, I mean, the aroma, the smell. <sighs> I'm getting hungry right now just thinking about it. Yeah. Well, let's get on with the show now that we have discussed rich white people having chow on King Street, wine. I, I stopped over at the Hotel Monaco on my way in this evening. Now, every night from 5.30 to 6.30, there's free wine. It's just all set out. And there's a guy, a hotel um, uh, waiter, who stands out in the lobby, and he'll pour you a glass, uh, rosé, if you want, you know... Uh, Zinfandel, whatever they, whatever you, whatever they've got over there, they'll pour you a glass, and hey, for that whole hour, you just keep coming. Of course, I believe they want you to be a, ho a guest of the hotel, but they're not asking for ID or anything like that. So if I'm in the area on King Street at, near the Hotel Monaco, of course I'll stop in. Of course, I'm gonna get a couple of drinks of wine. And I'm going to stagger my ass down <laughs> to Union and Prince Street. And I'm going to go into my place 
and start the show. So here we are, a slightly inebriated host, me, Dr. Clarence Robert Jones, drinking free wine at the Hotel Monaco in Old Town Alexandria, and right now I'm good to go. Opinions. Opinions are like a $50,000 government debt in America. Everyone has one. So we have here at uh, Dr. Jones on the culture. Well, we here are committed. We're committed to going beyond the uh, bloviential opinionating to get to get you to the sort of facts, insights, and interviews that I don't host. I don't host interviews, but I, I will at some point. But we'll do it the only way we can make it. In that spirit today, we bring you socialism by any other name. If the left, if the left understands anything, it's that in order for their ideology and its promised utopia to be born, there must be a thoroughly destroyed America. And and it, and, and and a thoroughly destroyed America must undermine everything America stands for in the world. Now, once that's been accomplished, accomplished, then their way is clear. Of course, they truly believe they'll be able to control the Islamic genie. They have encouraged, appeased, and enabled. So long, so far. But that's why they are so nonchalant about terrorism and the threat of Islamic Jihad. First, you see, they see themselves on the same side politically. And second, they believe they won't have any trouble stopping the Jihad once they're in power. So what's the big deal? But there's more. They also intend to roll back the rising sea, stop global warming, heal the planet, and, you know, the usual Obama obloviations. The revolution and the evolution of socialist strategies to rescue socialism from failure are these. And they fall under classical Marxist socialism. Wait for the masses to revolt, which we see with the Occupy movement. That equals failure. Wait for capitalism to economically collapse. Then to try intellectual vanguard, industrial version, uh, like uh, what Lenin did. Try uh, uh, try um, intellectual vanguard... Uh, uh, Agarian version, Mao, they failed. All of that's failed. Change the ethical standards, which means that we have no ethics. Um, everything that uh, occurs is, uh, well, there's a gray area. There is no right. There is no wrong. Remember the old Nike commercial? The Nike commercial that I'm referring to 
it, well, it sort of prepared us. What, some some 20 years ago? Just do it. Just do it. If you feel like doing it, do it. Do what you feel. How many of us have friends who will say, who will not say, I don't think, I feel. How many times have you spoke to someone who said, I feel like this, or I feel this way. I feel like, you know, so-and-so. So the evolution of thought, free thinking, original thought, has now been replaced with feelings. So we change the ethical the ethical standard from wealth is good to what? Wealth is bad. From equality of opportunity to equality of outcome. From postmodernism to anti-reality, anti-reason. The left's environmentalism. Technology is bad. Humans are destroying the earth. Al Gore is uh, godlike in his uh, pronunciations and prognostications. All culture, all culture deserves equal respect, except Western culture, culture which is uniquely bad, or perhaps politically politically uh, correct thought and rhetoric. Academic attacks on words or language. Once, uh, about 20 years or so ago, Gloria Steinem, who was then the head of the NOW movement, National Organization for Women, once said that women who engage in sexual encounters with a man are being raped, regardless of whether they consent or not. She also said that a pregnant woman who is with child having a baby, is not so. That she is, in fact, parasitically repressed. Hmm. Terrorism. Direct physical attacks. Culture. This is what I'm talking about. We're being conditioned very slowly and very surely over the last... 25, 30 years. If you were to walk into an office building and utter the word secretary, you will be given a dirty look as if you call the woman the C word itself. And you know which word I'm talking about. Secretary has been replaced with administrative assistant. Assistant. Well, you know, the usual thing. I think, though, as I'm explaining it, my good friend and yours, Andrew Clavin, could probably say it a little better. So let's let Andrew take it from here. By the way, you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report, and I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Hi, this is Andrew Clavin on The Culture. Some conservatives are arguing that the beginning of the Obama era has been a disaster. They argue that the president's soft approach to tyrants overseas has elicited predictable displays of aggression, boding far worse to come. 
They feel the president's high-blown ethical rhetoric has given way to his appointments of political hacks. And, of course, there's the gazillion dollars in spending and taxation that conservatives feel is a radical attempt to destroy our free market system. That's the conservative argument. But today I'd like to explain the liberal argument. Shut up. Shut up is the central rationale behind the leftist program. We've heard it expanded upon recently by Democrat bigwigs who want to bring back some version of the misnamed fairness doctrine to try to knock guys like Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity off the air. See, Rush and Sean argue forcefully against liberal policies, and Democrats want to explain to them, shut up. A book called A Manifesto for Media Freedom by my city journal pal Brian C. Anderson and Adam D. Therer describes how high-level Dems also support a plan with another Orwellian name, net neutrality it's called, that would try to force conservatives to shut up online as well. But even if the left can't turn shut up into law, they've worked hard over the years to make it the custom of the country. It's the essence of politically correct phraseology and university speech codes. Say it our way or shut up. It's inherent in the media's demonization of conservative commentators, the way they try to turn names like Limbaugh and Ann Coulter into bywords for intolerance so they'll just shut up. And why were there more than half a dozen movies attacking the war on terror and not one in support of it? Oh, wait, I know. Shut up. The left here has been making the shut up argument at least since the 70s, when it became clear that all their other arguments had failed. Since it was the only argument remaining to them, they had to invent different ways to say it. If you pointed out that their weakness allowed the murderous tyranny of communism to expand, for instance, well, you were a McCarthyite. Shut up. If you proved that their leniency toward criminals turned our cities into cesspools, you were a fascist. Shut up. When you pointed out that their welfare policies destroyed black families and created a social disaster of vast proportions, you were a racist, a sexist, uncivil, worse than Hitler. All just different ways of saying, shut up. All around the world, as leftism has failed everywhere, shut uppery has been called to its defense. The full-blown leftists, the communists, say shut up with prisons and guns. But the Western leftists, laboring under traditions of freedom, are subtler. In Europe, they've had more than 50 years of the sort of soft socialism the Democrats are now bringing here. Their anti-individualist, anti-religious, and anti-patriotic policies have so sapped the energies of the European nations that the continent's once great cultures are now flaccid and passive, fit for nothing but to be conquered in slow motion by the violent, intolerant, Islamist invader within. But when people like Ian Hersia Lee, Geert Wilders, or Oriana Falachi have the temerity to decry the left's empowerment of Islamist hatefulness, they're the ones brought up on charges of being hateful, not because they're speaking falsely, mind you, but because, shut up. So now, the left is in charge of America, and shut up is on the march. Watch for that fairness doctrine. Beware of net neutrality. Pay attention to the ways the liberal mainstream news media distort, mock, insult, and exclude the conservative opposition. Listen to the people they don't want you to listen to. And whatever you do, don't shut up. This is Andrew Clavin on The Culture.
Wow, that's Andrew Clavin. Very, very good. Well done. I mean, sometimes you can say it, but then he says it, and then it's said. <laughs> I mean, there's just no way to top that. Wit and wisdom from folks like Rush Limbaugh, Andrew Clavin, Sean Hannity, and on and on and on. You know, when Air America first aired, I used to listen. I listened all the time because I wanted to be able to speak intelligently about a lot of the things that they were saying, about a lot of the arguments that they were espousing. I wasn't one of those folks who, well, like a lot of my friends who say they can't stand Rush Limbaugh. And, of course, inevitably, I will ask the question, have you listened to Rush? Have you listened to any of his shows? Oh, no. I would never listen to Rush Limbaugh. I can't stand Rush Limbaugh. And he's a, he's, a, he's a racist. And I'll say, well, if you've never listened to one of his shows, how do you know he's a racist? Because so-and-so said so. But you never listen to a show yourself. So, I decided I wasn't going to be that guy. So I decided I'm going to go ahead and listen to some of these broadcasts. And damn, did they suck all to be damned? Yes, they did. And were their arguments supremely incoherent and not very well thought out? Indeed. Which is why they went bankrupt three or four different times, was off the air maybe twice before they finally signed off for good. Nobody likes to listen to people who simply a group of individuals a collective group of morons who can barely string a co co coherent look at listen to me coherent sentence together like for for example our president Barack Hussein Obama I know that my guy 2020 is going to be speaking on this subject a little bit later on about how Barack Obama well perhaps he's considered to be brilliant by some but it's obvious that he is an idiot. He is a moron. I liken the situation to, well, uh, dating. When you first start dating a new person, it's all good. It's all good, isn't it? But gradually you get to know the person and you come to realize that it's not nearly as good as it was in the beginning. There's something wrong with this person. Or, you know, well, I think you know what I'm talking about. So, that's what we have with our president right now. We're beginning to understand that he is not the brightest bulb in the array of bulbs. He's... <laughs> He's not a genius. He's not the smartest guy in the room. He probably is the smartest guy in a room with nothing but four walls and a couple of chairs. But other than that, he is a living, breathing, walking moron. He doesn't have the brains God gave a goose. He's an amateur. And we should not elect amateurs to such high office. In fact, I move right now that we 
my congressmen and senators put forth amendments that state that only a former governor can run for, for, for the presidency of the United States. At least a governor has run a state, and we can judge how, how well he ran his state by how well he'll run the country. For example, I started out my career as a platoon leader. One small platoon, 24 men. I had to prove that I could manage and lead those 24 men before I got a whole company, which is three groups of 24 plus a weapons platoon. A weapons, a weapons platoon, yeah. So I think I wasn't going to get that company commander spot with those three platoons plus the weapons platoon, which makes it four. I wasn't going to get that without first paying my dues with just one measly platoon. But that's just me. That's what I think should happen. One should be a governor first. Before becoming before being el- becoming eligible to become president of the United States, hey, I don't know. I was going to talk about mainstream news media, but the Washington Post beat me to it recently. with a uh, a satire proving that uh, they are spiraling like many other news publications to toward irrelevance and bankruptcy the old fashioned way by earning it the washington post ran a hit piece on presumptive republican presidential nominee mitt romney that managed to be both irrelevant and suspect if not altogether untrue the post reported that Romney, not so long ago, just a, just a couple of weeks ago, Romney as a teenager bullied a classmate. The newspaper also implied that Romney's motives were homophobia. Romney admitted that he was a prankster as a kid, which he regrets, but says that homophobia had nothing to do with it. The family of the alleged bullying victim, John Lebar, says the Washington Post portrayal of John is factually incorrect. Of course. Now, the politically meaningless and factually dubious story was timed for release in the immediate wake of Barack Obama's evolution on gay marriage. In an incredibly gutsy call, ballsy indeed, Obama was forced to abandon his make-believe opposition to the convention, uh, convers, uh, controversial issue when his blithering and dubiously intellectual his his uh, his, his uh, VP with uh, who possesses a dubious intellect opened support for guy-on-guy action 
thus humiliating the president to the point where he stopped lying about being against gay marriage and lied instead about feeling it was a matter that should be left to the states. Obama's new position on gay marriage caused chills to run up and down the bodies of CBS News leftist Robin Roberts, who my personal belief is that she's gay too with that butch haircut she keeps wearing year after year. That alone makes her suspect in my eyes. It also moved Newsweek to run a cover featuring Obama with a rainbow halo. This seemed uh, like a lot of excitement for a president who is now echoing the views of Vice President Dick Cheney. But of course they're cousins. So what do you expect? So we've pretty much gone all over the map here on our stories tonight, and we've talked about quite a few things. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come right back, and then we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics. Mm-hmm. My top ten list. We're going to go down the top ten products that Obama will force us to buy if, in fact, his health care law is upheld by the Supreme Court, which will issue, I'm told, their verdict on the matter in just a couple of weeks. Stay tuned. We're going to go down the top ten. By the way, if you have any questions about our top ten tonight, call in at 347-884-8500. We'll be right back. Clothes, they can't live in the house. 
But when they've got everything on the God's living earth that they can eat and they can wear and they can live in, and all that their children can live in and wear and eat and all their children's children can use, then we got to call Mr. Morgan and Mr. Mellon and Mr. Rockefeller back and say, come back here. Put that stuff back on this table here that you took away from here that you don't need. Leave something else for the American people to consume. He promised to change direction. 800 billion in stimulus, trillions for government health care, 2 million jobs, gone. Left turn after left turn. America's headed the wrong way fast. 6 million foreclosures, 14 trillion in debt, 500 billion in higher taxes, and the worst long-term unemployment in generations. Don't let Obama drive us to disaster. Change direction. Republican National Committee is responsible for the content of its advertising. Why is Ayn Rand's great novel Atlas Shrugged a bestseller today, more than half a century after it was written? It's because our real world today is just like the fictional future that Rand foresaw in Atlas Shrugged. It's a time of crisis and decay, but it's also a world of innovation and achievement. It's a world of heroes and villains, driven by very different philosophies. We wrote I Am John Galt to tell their stories. We look at the heroic innovators who are building our world and show that they're doing it just like the heroes of Ayn Rand's novels. They're using her philosophy of capitalism, reason, objective reality, and self-interest. Who is John Galt? Meet John Allison, the mild-mannered Southerner who created one of America's greatest banking empires. He did it with Ayn Rand's philosophy by getting every one of his tens of thousands of employees to read Atlas Shrugged and live by its code. In the great financial crisis of 2008, his bank was about the only one that didn't need a government bailout. But the government forced Allison to take TARP money anyway. After that, Allison walked away, just like John Galt did. There's so many other Rand heroes in our midst. There's Bill Gates, the genius who built the world's greatest company and the world's greatest personal fortune, only to have his own government call him a criminal for succeeding too much. Isn't he just like Hank Reardon from Atlas Shrugged? And how about Steve Jobs, the brilliant entrepreneur who reinvented computers, movies, music, telephones, just because he thought it was so cool? He's got the same attitude toward life as Howard Rourke from Rand's other great novel, The Fountainhead. Build it? I don't care if they come. You'll meet some real-life Rand villains in our book, too. The parasites who are trying to destroy the world. Remember Wesley Mooch from Atlas Shrugged, the corrupt bureaucrat who destroyed the economy? That's Congressman Barney Frank, who spent years subsidizing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in the name of altruism. When Fannie and Freddie nearly wrecked the U.S. housing market, what did Frank do? Just like Mooch, he demanded wider powers. And you'll meet Paul Krugman, the rabid partisan pundit who spreads socialism from the pages of the New York Times and thinks nothing of using the power of the press to destroy his political enemies. He's Ellsworth Toohey, the scheming, dwarfish newspaper columnist straight from the pages of the Fountainhead. These are some of the heroes and villains who move our world. So who is John Galt? I am. You can be too. Read our book and find out how.
All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Hey, the call-in number is 347-884-8500. Well, let me say that a little slower. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Call in. Talk about it. The top ten products Obama will force us to buy. You know, in the unlikely event that the Supreme Court allows Obamacare's uh, individual mandate to survive, be prepared for an onslaught of new rules and regulations that force products upon us in order to advance the, well, to advance the liberal agenda. Broccoli, for example. Justice Anton Scalia advanced the prospect of government-mandated broccoli during the Supreme Court's Obamacare oral arguments. Quote, everybody has to buy food sooner or later, so you define the market as food. Therefore, everybody is in the market. Therefore, you can make people buy broccoli. End quote. Scalia said, I mean, does that make sense? I mean, did Anton Scalia, Justice Scalia, put make a valid point that if the government can force us to buy government-mandated health insurance, they can force us to buy almost anything or be fined or perhaps even jailed. Now, jail, that's a far-fetched, but say, I don't put it past uh, this uh, regime. The left has long been obsessed with what we put into our bodies, from uh, trans fat, salt, to tobacco, red meat, be prepared for a department of eating healthily with Michelle Obama in charge. One more. Well, number two, the Chevy Volt. You've all heard about it. General Motors' Chevy Volt was doomed to fail as consumers did not exactly flock to the showrooms for the overpriced, underperforming vehicle. Production of the vote has been suspended for now, and the dream of an electric car is in danger, just like that dream about that flying vehicle. Remember the flying car? According to the left, oil is evil. Therefore, the internal combustion engine must go. It's got to go. So be prepared to plug in your government-mandated electric car in order to save the world from global warming. Remember what Barack Obama said? about SUVs, something to the tune that uh, car makers should be producing more fuel-efficient cars, that you can't, everyone can't drive an SUV, that the car, the car manufacturers need to understand the market. Wow. This is coming from a clown who, well... I could go on and on, but 2020 is going to go on and on about this idiot. And I'm going to enjoy every minute of it when his show comes on in just 12 minutes from now. So join G-Ski Rocks in 2020 because they're going to be talking about it, and I'm going to be loving it. Gasoline, our number three on our what Barack Hussein Obama will force us to buy. 
With Obama placing a good part of America's energy resources off limits for development, the price of gas at the pump continues to rise. The higher, the better, in Obama's view, in order to wear wean us from our dependence on oil. It shouldn't be a surprise to see prices rise under the president, as he essentially promised higher energy costs when he was running for office. Remember that little thing about uh, electricity will necessarily skyrocket? And think about this, folks, while we're on this subject. Remember when uh, we were young and our parents smoked or anyone else smoked a cigarette? Or when we watched old movies where someone was smoking? We didn't care. We didn't give a damn, did we? It didn't bother us one bit. But we have been conditioned over the last 30 to 40 years that smoking is bad. And smoking is bad for you, and indeed it is. It is. There's no doubt about that. But I find myself walking down the street with someone opposite me smoking a cigarette, and I'm disgusted. I am damn disgusted. I was sitting... Yes, on the corner of King and Union Street at the Starbucks in Old Town, having my Breve Latte or my Triple Vente White Mocha. I was just chilling, people watching, and there was some man behind me smoking a damn cigar. And I got a whiff of that cigar every few minutes, and I was thinking, damn, will you please put that shit out? And I wondered why. Why? It's because I have been conditioned. Me, your humble host, conditioned to believe that even the smell of tobacco is bad. Even if somebody else is smoking it. That whole thing about secondhand smoke and all that, you know, yeah, okay. But I believe, in hindsight, that I behaved a little bit out of character. I shouldn't give a damn if a guy wants to poison his lungs and smoke a cigar. And quite frankly, the aroma wasn't all that bad from the cigar to begin with. But I found myself feeling as though what he was doing was disgusting. And why is he doing it near me? When just 20 to 30 short years ago, I couldn't have cared less. I don't smoke. I've never smoked. I've never even tried a cigarette. Never. So I don't know what it's like. But why should I care whether somebody else does? Honestly, I don't. Contraceptives is number four on our list. Under Obamacare, everyone will be paying for contraceptives whether they need them or not. The mastermind or the misnamed Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, mandated that contraception be fully covered by health care exchanges, not even costing the recipient a copay. This means that you'll be subsidizing the sexual activity of your neighbors, coworkers, and, of course, your local prostitutes. Number five, Inconvenient Truth Movie. The left still wants us all to believe that global warming is imperiling the world and would rather not have us dwell on inconvenient inconsistencies in the theory. What the 
climbing gate emails, flat temperatures, and scientific scientists speaking out against global warming alarmists, the left seem, well, they're seeing their pet project, their pet issue, peter out a bit. How better to reignite the cause than to require everyone to watch Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth? MSNBC is number six on our list. The Obama administration has virtually declared war on Fox News, taking issue with its hard-hitting coverage. In the past, liberals have flirted with reinstating the fairness doctrine, hoping to silence right-wing critics. If emboldened by an Obama re-election victory, attempts to limit Fox and beam MSNBC into everyone's home could be in the works. Oh, laugh, laugh! But it could happen. You know it could. You know damn well it could. Solar panels. President Obama's trying his hardest, his damnedest, to cajole, bribe, spend all our hard-earned jack developing a viable green energy industry in the United States of America. Funneling billions of dollars to solar panel makers. The problem is that there isn't much of a market for the devices and the companies that the president has chosen, well, let's just say they haven't done too well. Witness the bankruptcy of Solyndra and get ready for a new push to install the panels in residences across the United States of America, including my home, which I will do for a variety of reasons, not having anything to do with the Barack Obama administration. I've always wanted to chuck some solar panels into my backyard and run off of those just for fun, just because I'm a techie, and I dig that kind of thing. But you know what? This administration might turn me off of that whole deal. I might just say no. Hell, I wouldn't even mind driving an electric car if Obama wasn't pushing it, if the liberals weren't pushing it. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to have anything to do with that crap. Union. Union label goods. Big labor has Obama in its pocket. We already know that. Witness the GM bailout. That was a sweetheart deal for the United Auto Workers. And the National Labor Relations Board ruling against Boeing building a plant in South Carolina. Expect more of the same with the union-made goods getting a leg up over their non-union rivals. Barack Obama would love to turn every shop Every office building, every manufacturing uh, company, every company that manufactures products into a union shop. Algae. Remember that? Number nine on our list? Algae. Here's yet another ill-fated idea meant to put an end to U.S. oil dependency. When Obama recommended that algae could be the hope for the future of the United States in terms of energy Independence. Algae is the fuel of the future, according to President Obama. Pond scum can be harvested and turned into energy to power America. Soon everyone will be scraping the green algae from the bottom of their fish tanks and the bottom of their tiny little boats. Obama is an idiot. 
He is a, a damn disaster. He is a walking cliche of what is wrong with affirmative action hiring. And, oh, make no mistake, Barack Obama is the ultimate affirmative action hire. Just don't do it. Hoodies. Hoodies is number 10 on our top 10 list. As the Trayvon Martin uh, Martin shooting reached its boiling point, the the civil rights lobby has turned the hoodie into the latest symbol of resistance to whitey, should I say white oppression or whitey? I don't know. One might expect the president to try to rise above the fray and seek to heal the nation. Yeah, right. I don't think so. He's not that kind of guy. Instead, Obama's re-election campaign sent a Twitter message reminding supporters that they could buy an Obama hoodie. The tweet said, and I quote, Let everyone know whose team you're on for 2012 with today's merchandise steal. The college-style hooded sweatshirt. Wow. Maybe Obama has a a future in marketing t-shirts and sweatshirts because he certainly has failed as a president and he's about to be let go, which I can't wait. You know, may you live in interesting times. Folks, that is not a blessing, but an actual curse. You do not want to live in interesting times. You want to live in not so interesting times where things are boring and mundane. You don't want a situation where you're going to have to live like we're living right now. Who would have thought that the first black president of the United States would turn out to suck all to be damned? Could we as black folks, those of us who are black, have any worse luck? We have the first black president of the United States triumphant we should be joyous we should be proud there are some folks who are in their 60s and 70s who never thought that day would come when America would elect a black president but here now we sit with the first black president my parents are gone they've passed on what would they say if they knew that we have the first black president. As it turns out, we do. But as we are prone throughout history to have such bad luck, we have the first black president of the United States, and he is a moron. Such luck for black folks. Well, folks, we're out. I want to thank you all for listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Tune in tomorrow. Oh, and please tune in to 2020 Radio. G-Ski Rocks. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. We are out. Thank you all for listening.